You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 158 for this edition of the podcast. I chatted with Philadelphia indie rock quintet goings. This emo and math rock influenced group got their start in drummer Chris Carney's grandmother's dance studio while it was vacant in the winter of 2017 and they emerged with a batch of rhythmic toe-tapping tunes that make up their debut album, It's For You. Released this past November on No Hope Records, the album mixes vibrant synths with quirky beats and flowing rhythms that recall bands like The Dismemberment Plan and Motion City Soundtrack. During our interview, we chatted about the band's early practices in the aforementioned dance studio, their highly collaborative songwriting process, how they've been spending their time lately, and a whole lot more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, I'm here with the wonderful, wonderful goings from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I've got Keith, Aiden, and Chris here. They just released their awesome debut album. It's for you. Goings, how's it going today? Nice. (laughs) Hey, hey, how you folks doing? Yeah, Yeah, we're good. Really well really well thank you for having us nice so just tell me keith keith you play tell us each of you what you play in the band real quick and then we'll get right into it uh so i I, i'm keith uh i play bass and uh vocals in uh going i'm uh i'm aiden and i do uh keyboard and vocals as well uh my name is chris i play drums and sometimes i do a little bit of singing Yeah, I noticed you all are credited with vocals on this record. That's very, very cool and not typical. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. It it feels good to have a band that's confident to at least throw like a harmony on or just like try to get in the in the booth and everything. Um, So, yeah, Chris, Kyle and Jack, the, the three members that recorded the album that aren't here. Or sorry, what am I talking about? Kyle and Jack who aren't here. Um they both contributed, you know, just as effectively as all of us. And I feel like that's something like I, I kind of pushed for because I just like most of my favorite bands are like multiple singers harmonizing and all that good stuff. So I was always wanting that out of a band. Yeah, it's cool, though, because I can't think of a single band where everyone has a vocal credit, though. So kudos to Goings. I'm into it to the nth degree. <laughs> So this cool. album came out on a great Philadelphia label <laughs> called No Hope Records. They put out 
a great album by my friends Milkmen, who are no longer a band. They were from New Brunswick originally. So I was curious, how, how'd you link up with this label? They're great. I also play in a, a, a couple other projects, and one of them uh, being a band called Sweet Pill, and they started working with Nell Hope. And also our friends in uh, um, this band called 2319 were the first ones that I know of um, that started working with No Hope. And I just saw that and I thought that was really cool what they were doing. And um, it looked like it was a lot of fun to work with No Hope. So I, I thought maybe uh, maybe they'd want to work with us too. And they did. And now you're doing it. And, and what about putting out this album in 2020? Such a bizarre year with such unique and insane circumstances. Did you delay the release at all? And were you considering delaying it even further? Or did you, at this point, just want to get it out there? I think we were originally, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, like it was maybe supposed to come out in September. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't delayed all too much. We we had already had the record done by the time, you know, everything shut down. Yeah, uh, we recorded everything like prior to the pandemic, and pretty much we're we're just like finalizing the artwork and all that stuff. And we figured that like you know, I mean, we just want to have the best product possible, so we don't want to rush anything. And we ended up saying, you know what, let's just uh. Make sure we have the art ready to go. And even though it's a crazy year, I think me personally, like I did want to get it out because we've had it sitting for a little while. And also, you know, there's not a lot of releases coming out right now, but also I think to put something out, maybe to share more joy in, in the world, if somebody could experience this, maybe that would be a good thing. So I think that was what I was thinking of putting it out in 2020. Yeah, because it's definitely challenging to have to sit on a record for a long time. I know a lot of artists and bands had to do that in 2020, especially finishing something like in 2019 or even earlier, and you're ready to release it that spring, and then to just continue to wait. It's definitely challenging. I, I almost kind of view it as like, I mean, maybe like lucky is the wrong word, but like just, you know, considering everything going on, but like, I knew people that were in the middle of recording when this happened and they had to get, you know, like however many months later to go and finish their records or, or whatever they were recording. Like we were kind of lucky that we just kind of had that all done. Like any, everything else we needed were just kind of like odds and ends and stuff like that. So, yeah. And so since you weren't writing and recording this record this past year, were you trying to spend your time working on the next record the next release for this project how'd you guys spend your time was it a time of writing and trying to collaborate within the you know established norms or whatever that were happening at the time yeah. with covid yeah i mean we we we've been working on new stuff like kind of this whole past year uh as we're getting ready for this new one to come out I know me and Aiden, like we were kind of working on a lot of our solo stuff uh, during the, you know, a lot of uh, times of solitude, <laughs> like the first part of the pandemic uh, before we were really uh, comfortable, like practicing and all that stuff. But yeah, like uh, we were we were working on like a lot of different stuff. We we did like a little collab thing of all of us playing over Zoom or something. I, I forget where we did it or what mode of 
technology we used to to do that, but that was that was one thing we did, or a couple things, I guess. Yeah, we 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 really slowly got better and better at like engaging um, while we can't do shows. I mean, I, I imagine we would have played, you know, several shows in the past, you know, eight months or so, um, but we just couldn't. Uh, but Chris in particular, he's a, you know, social media, you know, kind of guru. So he kind of kept us, kept us engaged, kept us, you know, pushing us to make content. I mean, like I'm someone who would so be so like lethargic and be like, you know, what's the point? Like what, po- what posts do we make? Like, what is there to even talk about? But yeah, we, we did like a, a, you know, asynchronous little collab where we all recorded our parts and we did a photo shoot outside, um, with our friend Connor um, and yeah, like our Instagram looks great. So we at least made a, made a yes. good Instagram. Uh, <laughs> you guys got a uh, sick time. Instagram. Oh, thank Full you. marks from me. <laughs> means a lot. Means a lot. Chris, you're slick That's all as Chris. hell. That's all Chris. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm, do- I'm trying. <laughs> it's cool. Cause this seems to all play into a lot of stuff that is talked about on the record, some of the themes of the record, which we'll get into. But I was wondering about your songwriting process, which I've read and heard is pretty collaborative. How were you able to adapt to that this year, particularly? And how did you typically, before the pandemic, approach songwriting in the collaborative way that you guys do that as a band? That's, I mean, yeah, that's a great question because uh, I think of us as so collaborative as well. Um, like, I guess to start before, um, it, it would kind of just be, you know, we'd have a space or, you know, Chris's basement. Um, and, you know, it, things kind of came so intuitively. And I think that that's why this band works so well. Um, and then with the newer things we're writing, um, we're meeting up much less. We do meet up every once in a while um, for practice and writing. Um, yeah, it, it, it feels like we we're doing it with a bit more intention this time. And I think you can hear it. And I think Keith and I, as far as lyric writing go goes, um, we're also much more collaborative this time. And oh, that's interesting. Kind of hear that with newer songs as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think like a big, uh, for, first of all, me, Aiden and Chris were in a band prior called like a little like emo punk thing called ringtail howitzer. And kind of how we would write stuff before, I would kind of just bring the bare bones, like kind of like the like lyrics or just like a melody idea and like the chords, whatever. And then kind of the other guys would just kind of go over it and, you know, do whatever they had to do. This time around with Goings, I feel like, you know, as Aiden said, like it, it is much more like collaborative, like maybe one of us, me or Aiden, or I mean, even Kyle and Jack, to, to to a certain extent, would come to us with an idea, like, and we all just kind of we just jam it out until we find it. And then sometimes I'll be like, "Hey, like I can hear this little melody or something," or, um, you know, I like to contribute a little bit other than just the drums. And uh, I don't know, I like it. Yeah, and, and that's that comes through with your singing, Chris. Like you know, you're you're not stuck with hitting things. You're yeah, you're you're. Coming what I with, always with like to ask bands that kind of operate in this math rock genre is, how do you work in those different t- 
time signatures and things like that because I'm not a musician. So I just know, hey, there's 4-4 and then there's like math <laughs> rock bands that do like 13-5 or whatever, you know. So how, how do you go about working quirky stuff like that in? I think, uh, I don't know, we're, we're not super mathy. Where I think we're, I know Aiden would probably say we're like math rock adjacent. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it helps that Chris as on the drums is just so proficient with that kind of playing. Yeah. Like me and, me and Aiden can kind of come in with a pretty, I don't want to say basic, but just kind of like a, you know, just like your standard song, you know, chords, some lyrics, and kind of like, uh, I mean, even, even just yesterday we were, we were practicing like working on a new song and like. One little mathy thing that we, a mat or whatever you want to call it, mathy thing that we did, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. we kind of worked it around one of the lyrics, and we're, and, but it was a pretty standard like four four kind of thing, but like, I don't know, like it's, I mean that 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 stuff is coming mostly from from Chris, I would say. Yeah, yeah. and it sometimes it's, I mean it it just helps. I think part of it is just that it, it's kind of our influences bleeding in, where you know switching to five four for a chorus or like a seven eight bridge yeah yeah, yeah. is like almost pretty natural to us and i think that's be it's it's just our you know wearing our influences on our sleeve um oh yeah like maps and atlases or like uh minus the bear bands like that i mean like just things bands that confidently mix that stuff in and it but it doesn't make it any less uh, enjoyable of a song or doesn't make it too too known and and a couple songs we picked for uh, the second portion we can talk about as well. One in particular, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm stoked. I have a feeling which one it is in particular. <laughs> I have, I have, I have, I have, I have a lot of things to say about your record collection. So I, so I can't. I'm I stoked. Can't, I can't. Hold, I can't. hold <laughs> on to those thoughts because oh, it's yeah, coming yeah, for up. Sure, for sure. It's for sure. coming up soon. <laughs> but, Tell me a little bit about the origin story of this band. I was reading about it. It sounded real. It sounded really cool and almost fate-like. That it happened in this dance studio. You kind of play this math rock that's really rhythmic and kind of very danceable. At least the, I definitely <laughs> think the early tracks on the record. So tell me a little bit about that and what do you think of that? So we, um, as we said we were all in like a previous band together um the three of us and there was one night where um well actually there was a period of time between like christmas 2017 and new year's where i was like my grandmother's dance studio is going to be vacant for this period of time and I want to do something. I want to try to record there because I've never done that before. And I thought it would be cool. I have like a little setup where I have like an eight input interface. And um, Jack actually has like a lot of recording gear too. So I just ended up hitting up like some of my closest friends that played music. And it turned into this band. Uh, subsequently, like the first song we recorded was like the first single we ever had. And it was First just video and and we never um set out to do that it just kind of happened i mean once we recorded the song i was like well we have to like do something with this because like this is awesome yeah um but yeah like and then ever ever since then um like we met up a couple times after that to like 
do vocals and there was two other songs we recorded that night and um it took a little while to put that out because we were still finishing that up and then after that we're like i guess we're a band so we started writing more songs and then everything after those those three songs ended up being on the record it's for you so tell me about the recording process after those first few songs how'd you tie everything together that wound up on uh it's for you um well we did a lot of pre-production but also it was a lot of time just spent band practice and um just refining all the songs it's just a lot of collaboration so Um, so you recorded it yourselves well we actually did a whole version of it live at my in my basement and then we did it another version separately to a click track in my basement for like the (laughs) the pre-production aspect of it and then we were like all right so let's go to like a studio because we want to sound good and we went to the studio called gradwell house it's over in haddon heights in new jersey and um i recorded there before i thought it was awesome and um i'm sure everybody else in the band thought it was a great idea that we went there because shout out shout out to matt weber so when you went into the studio with the pre-production of playing the record live twice did you record it live in the studio then to kind of capture that energy or we did all separate yeah we actually didn't but i I think chris is just kind of really pushing the fact that we like I mean, we the whole album was essentially recorded in a weekend. We booked three days. Oh, sick! Like okay, we were yeah. just so prepared and like knew exactly how we wanted to sound. Um, but yeah, we we ended up doing individually tracked. We just we just wanted to be able to get in there and get as much done as we can in, in a weekend. So we were like, well, if we record it by ourselves, we'll know the problems that we might come across when that when we're recording it, maybe. And yeah, it just it just worked out. And a lot of the synth stuff um, we ended up using because it's just like the same signal you'd get from if you're using it on like your own interface at home. So that saved a lot of time because we already had that ready to go. Dope. That sounds awesome. So the whole record kind of centers around these themes of technology and dependence on technology and how we interact via phones and computers and things like that. Uh, What were some of your experiences that informed those themes, would you say? Because it comes out in many of the songs on the record, and it's sort of a frustration almost with it at at times, I, I feel like. I was wondering what you think of that and basically what experiences that you had that kind of informed these songs on the record lyrically i think um one thing that uh that comes to mind for me is just like and i think that this is like being you know more challenged um more often challenged recently with the pandemic but you know when we were writing these songs in 2018 uh i was i was just feeling like we like a lot of people around me were kind of accepting kind of trying seeking validation from technology seeking validation validation from social media um that you know it, it just didn't seem genuine to me and it and it felt really harmful actually so that first song is kind of just about that called phone numbers and and kind of peppered through is just me thinking that technology is not a place for you know personal growth 
um, even though it, it's, there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, it's, it's harmful in a lot of ways, I guess. But it's also it's all also very vague and very um you know it's just a loose theme. Not I guess, so I'd say. on the nose, yeah. Like it's kind of like it's we're we're trying to like not be too focused on one thing or the other. Like I think sometimes in the lyrics that Aiden wrote for the record, it's a little more like direct, and then like mine are a little more vague. Maybe yeah, I I, I yeah, and I I completely agree with you, Keith. I think um. It's definitely just a loose theme and kind of like what we what we mentioned before is that, you know, Keith and I kind of it's kind of split down the middle as far as lyric writing and and almost even the singing is split down the middle as well as far as lead vocal. Um, But, you know, luckily it kind of we kind of meshed together around that and it kind of pulled it together enough to make the uh, the album called It's For You and kind of kind of based on phones and based on technology. And yeah. The, I guess the songs Elevator and Algorithm just, I guess, at the very end make it, that kind of hammers it home about technology a little bit, but uh, the rest of the album is, is uh, you know, not so focused on Yeah, it. like, maybe maybe the more meat of it in the middle is, like, more the frustration part and not as much the technology part, and then it kind of it kind of begins with the frustration yeah. tied in with technology, goes into everything else, and then kind of comes back around maybe the other end once you get to Elevator and Algorithm. What I thought was cool about the way the record flows was it's really in your face. The first three songs, they're really upbeat and energetic. And then it it moves along and then voicemail is kind of in the middle, which is just this piano ballad, like 40 seconds. And then it kind of slows down a little after that. I was curious about the placement of voicemail on the record and if it was meant to kind of split the record up a little bit and um, what was the, what was behind the placement of that track on the album? I, I think like it was kind of like a happy accident as Bob Ross would say, but like uh, it was really just the intro to the next song. Interesting. And yeah, cause they do of, flow pretty well together. Yeah. It, we, we kind of, I mean, Aiden could probably tell you better than I could because it's uh, it's it's more his his thing. But like, it it um, it was like never really like a conscious thing to like make it its own or, or no, it was a conscious thing to make it its own track because we wanted it to be nine songs. How we sort of wanted the gimmick with the phone on the back of the record to be like the nine songs because yeah. it's like nine numbers on a on a phone, and it just kind of worked out that way that that was like. Uh, that you could kind of make that like a little interlude track, yeah. And and it and, and it's funny that you mentioned that you're you're actually the first person to mention that back to us. Like I feel like we've said that a lot, like to ourselves, like in like in band practice, like that that is kind of like the like sea change in that album is like right there in the middle, and kind of like almost as the album goes along, it kind of leaves a. Actually, me and Aiden were yeah. just talking about this today. Like, it's sort of just, it, like, starts off kind of more of our influences, like maybe some of our more emo, punky stuff. And then as the album progresses, we're trying to, like, almost, like, stray away from that and kind of get go go to another place. Yeah. Yeah, I, when I look back on it, I really don't think the order of the songs is, like, super intuitive. Or, like, I don't think everyone, if, it, you know, if we handed those songs to someone else, they might not have came to that same conclusion. But I think like we finish big and we kind of 
the way we weave into new ideas kind of a little bit later in the album, I think pays off in a way. Um, I, I hope we catch people's ear with kind of our louder tracks um, and kind of like in more in your face of, of our style. And then we get more trying and more dying had to be way. track three. This is, there's no saying otherwise it's, you know, it had to be. Yeah. But like, I think like we had talked about like, so like where do bands put the hit and they, they like put it on track three and five, right? Like Chris, what do you know about that? Well, I was actually like studying um, the Third Eye Blind self-titled and where they placed those songs. And that's kind of where I got a little bit of an idea of like where I could see the, some of the songs. But that's it's cool. really just not planned that well. I mean, we just I mean, I think it ended up out great, but um, ended up great. But yeah, I don't know. I just was looking at that and I was like, well, it's got to be track three. Tell me about trying and dying, because I think that's probably most people's favorite song on the record it's definitely my favorite song because of that cool chorus trying and dying and trying and dying how'd that song come together how'd you come up with that cool way to sing the chorus and things like that tell us a little bit about that song so we used to practice at this practice space uh, i guess that was 2018 late 2018 and we were just kind of like fooling around. And then I remember Chris, like we were jamming on something like completely different. And Chris was like, yo, like I would love to have a song that goes. And I was like, no, like, like, like he was like, he was joking around. And I was like, no, Chris, that's a really good idea. Just something that kind of goes really high to low and, and like, kind of like knowing, like having like the confidence in my voice that like, I, I knew that I could like, I could nail that, you know? And then I think like the next thing that we jammed on was that, um, that little bass, uh, riff with the, uh, with the, uh, the lead key part. And it just so happened. I was like, wait, hold on. And like when we were trying to write the chorus, I was like, this, this, this fits here. This fits perfectly here. So there you have it. Um, a little bit of collaboration there. Uh, goes to show you we're a collaborative band i never knew that story you just kind of pulled it out of your out of a hat chris you were like that would well, be like neat. <laughs> we were in the stu- in the uh like the practice space and i was like just playing to the beat i was like whatever like <laughs> no 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 you you came up with it before we even started jamming on on the song and then and and then we started jamming on it, and I was like, "Yo, yeah. like that thing that you were joking around about before, like that fits here, like that could that should go right here." And like it, like it wasn't even supposed to be like a serious thing, but it was like, "No, like that's that's so good, like we gotta we gotta use that, Chris." <laughs> it's a sick song. Thank you. And another thing I really like about this record is it's clear that you guys are collaborative, but th- there's different vocalists on some songs as well but you're able to work in everything really well. Like I said, it flows well. It all sounds like the same record. How do you think you're able to fit songs that are written by different members in together on one cohesive record? How do you keep it sounding, you know, within this basically sounding like very cohesive, I'd say. I think I would definitely attribute that to the guitarists who aren't here. Um, the, like Jack and Kyle definitely kind of create like a good foundation. Like if it was just us three, I think we would be writing some really 
you know, every song would sound kind of out there, but like they kind of ground it in this kind of like I mean, it, it's still guitar music. I mean, even though a lot of those songs are key centered um, or like kind of centered around the key riff or something, uh, it's definitely still kind of founded in the in, in the guitars and those guitars being pretty heavy. So I, I think that, and then also, you know, every song kind of having a, a synth, a layer of synth, kind of makes it cohesive in a way as well. Yeah, and and like also, uh, not only have uh, us three been playing, uh, like ha- had played in prior projects together, like m- multiple, like I mean, me and Chris have been playing with Kyle uh, since we were children, like since I, I since I was like eight years old. Chris, I think when you were like eleven or twelve or yeah. something. Like we we all started playing together like super young, so I think just kind of the consistency of like we know how to play with each other. We it makes it that much easier, and you can kind of bring a different idea to the table and kind of know how to make it sound like us, like no matter what. Aiden, tell me about Algorithm, the final track, which is Aiden's Odyssey. I really like that uh, middle verse, uh, really powerful moment on the record where you're like, sold myself away for convenience, and you take it from there. Tell me a little bit about what you were singing about on that song, and it just fits in so well as an album closer. So did you guys know that you wanted that track to finish the record? Well, at first, I when we were in that practice space, we were like thinking about that song. We were like, I don't know, like, should we put this on the album? Because like we didn't have it all fleshed out at first. But I think the way that it ended up, what's up? Correction. <laughs> and everybody else was. I think you were not about it at all. Because... Because the uh, yeah, like we were we were all like, dude, this is so sick. And Chris was like, I'm just kind of doing the same drum part over and over again. And like, I feel like you weren't feeling like the epicness that like the rest of us were. It's like, dude, think of when this is like on tape. Like, this is gonna be huge. Think about this when when this has nine guitar layers on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, and that's, I, so just, that's, that's just my little correction. Like, I, I think we were all like really, really about it. And then actually that little second movement in it with that little guitar part that you were mentioning, Tom, uh, like that was like a completely different idea that like Kyle had like that little riff right. that, and it just fit in so well. Thing. And we were just like, well, what if we just kind of because because Chris was right, it, it sort of was getting boring playing that like over and over again. It was like we need to break this up somehow, and that was just a riff that Kyle had for the longest time that we were like, well, we could just put that right in there. <laughs> I guess sounds good. Yeah, and it and it ended up having this like great build up. I, I'm yeah, I'm so proud of that song. And it, it it was like he said it kind of it kind of was in two parts. One, like I had wrote these lyrics and that initial like arpeggio kind of keyboard part. I, I just got like an Amazon package, and I felt so I was like depressed, I guess, um, and just like kind of thinking about it and and just kind of jamming on this <laughs> idea of being so disappointed that things are this way. I don't know. The look the anti Amazon rhetoric is really big right now. But, you know, we're kind of, uh, I guess we were a little ahead of the game, like a little bit. But, um, so, <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff Bezos. Right, right. Um, 
and 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 that's kind of just what it turned into. But I, I when I had initially wrote it, it you know, I didn't think it would be that epic or you know would be the album closer. But yeah, it it turned into this song that was like just the perfect ending. Fuck yeah, totally. And so live music not happening right now. Obviously, it hasn't been happening since March. Going seems like they're a great live band. I'm just going with my gut there. Uh, what song from the record are you most excited to play in the live setting? And tell me a little bit about your live show so I can imagine it and hopefully experience it in the future. That's a great question. I think um, one that I, I'm always excited about is uh, the title track, It's For You, because it's just like, has this really cool like layer of the keyboard where it's kind of pulsating and when we're playing that live it's really like when the guitar the, I feel like we're our guitars are a bit harsher than normal when we're live so like that key part kind of like gets a little washed away and then but like when you hear it come back in uh it's just like this this layer that's always there and I, I think our live set is kind of like that where you know you're kind of just like remembering that each person is playing their own, you know, very unique part. And like you say, you're looking at them or specifically listening for it. You're kind of picking up a new part of the song. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of one unique p factor about our band, I think, is that based on, you know, where you're, what you're listening for, you might pick up something different. I got to go with phone numbers. <laughs> I just have to say that phone numbers for me is the hype jam. And, you know, I think when we play that song, we just it's like not even that long but like it just sets the mood for just like like okay this is going down we're locked in like, as well that that's like a, that's a tight song like if we're not <laughs> if we're not on it just doesn't sound right so i think yeah. that that was one i was thinking of chris because yet is like fast and like ener energetic five four so it's just like fun to play um but i think i would have to go with uh with elevator it's my favorite song on the record it's just like so vibey like, just, like, the most, like, I don't know, like, that song is just, like, so up my alley. Like, I'm so happy that that song exists. And just, like, e even though it's not maybe, like, the most, like, ener energetic and, uh, like, live song you might ever, uh, like, like think of, it's very, like, mellow. But I, it just, like, it sets you in this in this place that I just want to live. In an elevator. We, we played Elevator live at a show in January, and it was kind of a smoky basement. Yes, yeah. And like, like a trippy. Kind of the, the type of show, it was well attended, but the type of show where people are kind of still talking mm. a little bit, and you, like, at when you're playing. Yeah, you yeah. It. And I love that. I was like, I, like, want to play a grimy <laughs> club or something like that. And that's, like, kind of what this show was reminding me of. We were playing Elevator, that like, our slowest track, kind of, like, not demanding any everyone's attention kind of just like kind of just presenting presenting this slow jam in a smoky room and i i loved that until the That's end a good memory from from early early last year sick speaking of shows you are a philadelphia based band tell me a little bit about your your music scene has it influenced your songwriting at all based on the bands that you consider your peers and things like that. What's your scene like? And do you think it's influenced the music that you write? I'm still trying to shake out the emo influence um, a little bit. Uh, I think um, I think Keith can agree with that as well. 
Just yeah. It runs very deep in Philly. Yeah, like that's that's something that just really like runs deep in like Philly. It's 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 just like you know it needs to be like you know uh, like twinkly guitar in a basement with you know uh, tall 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 boys of Pabst. And stuff like that. I mean, I don't think it influences what we do now very much besides, you know, like uh, maybe in the first half or like the first even quarter of the album where it's kind of we are kind of showing where we came from a little bit there. And kind of like how Aiden said, like, I feel like we are trying to like shake that in a way. Not not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just that, you know. We've kind of been playing that for you know that or that kind of music for you know close to a decade, and it's just nice to try to you know throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks, uh, rather than just kind of make a bunch of songs that we like know that we know how to write and kind so, of. So, since oh, you're working on new songs, then that maybe you'd describe as somewhat different. What what do you think people can expect from going sound wise? going forward more differences <laughs> yeah we're never we're, we're 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 never content like we're kind of like like i said like we've kind of just been playing a lot of the same been in bands that all kind of sound uh remotely similar and we're just kind of like want to break out of that and just do as much as we can like <laughs> Those those are kind of the records I usually yeah. like the most, or like ones that are that kind of take you somewhere and uh, like that it doesn't it doesn't stay at the same level yeah, the I whole think, time. Like I think something that'll if really. If I were to compare you. our newer music um, to like songs on the album, I think like the songs that kind of invoke emotion a bit more and are, are kind of a bit you know kind of have a vibe to them. Uh, I think like the title track or elevator, um, those kind of songs that are are. Um, I don't know. They they just have like a different feel to them than say like like W Blue Sky Lives the second track. Like uh, we're we're stepping back a little bit, I think, but not compromising our creativity or compromising our energy at all. Tell me about the cover art real quick. Who did the cover art? And I feel like it kind of plays into the the record a little bit. Um. So, um, Brian Morganti of Flesh and Bone Design who has done a plethora of work, all of which um, I really dig. Uh, he just kind of like, well, we <clears throat> had an idea of what we wanted the concept to be. And when we sent him a long email of like, after we asked him like, oh, yo, do you have any interest in doing our album art? And he was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So then we sent him a, a long, a lengthy email of the whole concept that we had, like, thought of because we wanted to incorporate the phone itself and then wires going places and then i know keith's a really big fan of shapes <laughs> so we wanted to incorporate shapes in there too and big once we <laughs> yeah once we um figured out how to word all of that we sent it off and then he honestly just he killed yeah, it like we saw it and we were like this is awesome we just wanted to maybe tweak a couple colors and it was it was awesome. Yeah, I love the neon colors, love the phone, love the wires. All plays into the technology communication themes on the record. I like any anything gimmicky, so like I, I just like that the cord goes all the way to the back 
and then the back is the is is the receiver of the phone. Like I any anything anything that has like a little gimmick like that, I'm I'm yeah. sure there. Anyone who's curious, definitely check out the back of our vinyl, like online. We've posted pictures. It 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 fits. It connects. It's cool. So people can get the record via No Hope's website on vinyl. That's correct. Yeah. Two different NoHopeRecords.com, everyone. Two different variants. That's what I'm all about. What kind of variants? Tell me real quick. We got the uh, the pink and white splatter. That's pretty cool looking. That's my favorite personally. And then we have a, a nice shining blue sea glass variant. Fuck yeah, man. I love colored <laughs> vinyl. That's what it's all about. All right. It's come to the time in the podcast. We're going to play some songs from it's for you your new record out now on no hope records we're gonna hear phone numbers trying dying the title track is for you and elevator
All right, we're back. We heard four songs from Going's new record. It's called It's For You. We heard phone numbers, Trying, Dying, Elevator, and the title track, It's For You. Now we're going to play some records. Okay, so we're going to start with Keith's record selections. Keith, you're taking us back like 50 years with these picks, which I'm all about. We're we're headed to the 1960s, starting it off with Wear Your Love Like Heaven by Donovan off of his fifth album, A Gift from a Flower to a Garden. Super classic psych pop tune um, that I love very much. Me too. Also, also, I just like I I mentioned Bob Ross earlier. This song just makes me think of Bob Ross because he's because he's listing off like all of the different like shades of paint. Like he's going, uh, um, you know, uh, crimson. Uh, yeah, it's like Prussian blue, <laughs> crimstory, and carmine. Yeah. Yes. 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 Mm, yeah. I mean, I this is like my wheelhouse for music is like the '60s. I I think there hasn't been a better decade, uh, for for music at least. Oh, geez, um, but like I, it, it's it's funny. I was, you know, like they had like the Spotify Wrapped thing. The only the only artist from this century on my top five was was my buddy's uh, project, Georgie V. The the rest were all Beatles. Uh, monkeys, Paul, Paul, Paul McCartney, and uh, and the and the turtles. So just like any anything from that time, I'm just that's like I, I'm really about it. So is this music that you've been uh, diving back into recently that you find yourself working into your solo work? I know at the top of the show you had mentioned you're working on solo material. Is this you? You find this stuff influencing your songwriting? Yeah, uh, definitely more in my solo stuff. Uh, even two of the songs that we recorded for uh, at that dance studio that we mentioned earlier were actually originally supposed to be my solo work. That's why they're kind of uh, if 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 you ever if you ever listen to them, they're they're a little off from going sound. But we just kind of wanted to record something to put it out, and those were two things I had done. Yeah, I mean, definitely. With my solo stuff, I mean that's just kind of like my happy place music, like '60s music. And if I'm gonna do like any kind of solo work, why not try to make music that, you know, makes me makes me very happy like that. So, you know. I'm a big fan of the psychedelic pop. And you got another good one on the playlist here. Care of Cell 44 by the Zombies off of a very underrated album. Odyssey and Oracle released in 1968. Fun fact, this song was originally titled Care of Cell 69. But then they were persuaded not to do that because of you know 69 (laughs) and and shit this is a i mean this is this is a record that me and aiden have been uh talking about a lot lately i mean i 
I think it's just like so like genius, like such a morbid concept, but like yet it makes it like it's so positive. Like so like you're like like the woman you love is in jail, but she's gonna come home and it's gonna be great. And like it's just oh like I, I, I get I get I get goosebumps just just thinking about it. Like uh, it's it's just such a phenomenal record. I I I I have a very hot take. I think it's better than pet sounds. Interesting. That's a very hot take. I'm glad you, hot take you I'm glad you dropped that <laughs> hot take. That's good. That's good podcast <laughs> material. I think it's I, I think it's a great record. I don't know if I agree with you on that, but it's a really good record and I think that it's cool how this band was so influenced by that release in Absolutely. putting this record out and then I always like a good record that doesn't get much attention when it was released and then everyone yes. comes back and really appreciates it, which is basically yeah. what happened with this album. Yeah, they were they were they were all broken up uh by the time it came out in this country. It was actually out over there, and I don't remember who, but like some record producer that had the rights to it went over to England, found the record in a record store and was like how is this not out yet over over in the states? And then time of the season comes out, it's this yeah. huge hit, and they're broken up, but they couldn't even like really like reap any of the I don't know like uh, be benefits uh, like uh, maybe socially as a band or something. But I mean, like that was such a huge hit, and that was like a year after it was released. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird to think back about hey. Sometimes these things happened when you were a band in the 60s and you're from the UK. They put out a record there. It's not out in the States yet. And there's just mismanagement stuff that we couldn't even really oh, imagine yeah. now with the Internet and shit like that. You know, yeah, totally. I mean, and, and, and just to defend my prior hot take, my reasoning is because I like I think that Pet Sounds is a Brian Wilson album. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like where like where like the zombies you can listen to it and there's a semblance of a band here. You know, you can pick out everybody in the band. And it's I, and just may, maybe just for me personally, I just like that that concept. Yeah, I mean that is a cool concept and it's a very wonderful, amazing album. So Keith, so thank good. you for those two awesome picks. Thank you. Oh, Oh, last last thing about your record collection. You have Younger Than Yesterday by the Birds, but you don't have 5D. You need to get 5D, I think I dude. I do, but it's just wow. not on Discogs. It was yet. not even the full collection. Okay, all right, good. Okay, good. <laughs> and I got a lot of stuff right, at my cool. parents, too. Yeah, because <laughs> I got to scan everything into Discogs. Oh, it's, oh, it's tough. Yeah. It's so hard to get, like, get it all in there. Aiden is up next, starting with Fool Song by Destroyer. It's cool that we went to 1967 and 1968, and now we're right back in 2020, dude. With a, one, of the, one of the best records that came out last year, Destroyer. That dude don't stop, yo. Yeah, Dan Vehar is an absolute hero of mine. 
I'm a, I'm an, I, and a day doesn't go by where I don't listen to Destroyer. Um, so when I saw that you had their newest album, um, yeah, I, I was happy to, to talk about it. Um, I had uh, caught him on that tour, so Destroyer was my last show um, of 2020. I saw him in March, um, oh, probably wow. like a night where I was probably talking with my friends, like, like oh, isn't geez. this funny? Like, I'm like a coronavirus, like, ha, ha, ha. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was at that point where it's like we knew it was serious, but like, you know, shows weren't canceled, and I went, and um, I absolutely loved it. How 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 much could it actually affect us, right, guys? And then... <laughs> yeah, it was in that phase of things. Um, so, but I I'm just, uh, my life. I, I would have been devastated if I didn't get to see that show. Um, and it was it, it 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 was amazing. Yeah, I'm glad you got to see a great show before. <laughs> right, there are no shows um, now. So, I mean, we were talking about closing tracks, and I feel like that's a that's a really good one. It's just this weird. Uh, like it's almost like a lullaby but it's like really dark at the same time very very oh, yeah very strange song but i love it a lot of darkness on this record yeah no it's it's super super brooding and in a in an interview he says that he because i'm like a insane uh he, he said that uh he he wants to sound like he was devastated with age like he he wants to come off that way and i think it does so <laughs> sick yeah awesome Awesome, Bejar. Right. And with shall I? And then your second pick. This is the one that has influenced the sound of goings, definitely. Yeah, easily. Uh, the City by the Dismemberment Plan off of 1999's Emergency and I. Yeah, this uh, this is one of my favorite records ever. Probably, totally. it's Easily. such a fun, fun record cover to cover to oh, listen yeah, to, dude. and Woo. despite the fact that it's fun sonically, they get into a lot of deep shit on this yeah. record. I feel like across a lot of the tracks, really emo, yeah, lyrically, I'd huge say, for sure, huge influence on my you know synth playing oh, yeah. and goings, um, and just like definitely just a huge influence influence on us in general they get super hard super mathy and then super dancey all in the same song it's like confusing how they're able to do it um and the city is 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 definitely just one of the strongest songs ever incredible synth part that freaking beat gets it gets oh incredible right keith and i were like the the one night like maybe like last month we were trying to find like good live videos of that song and, and, and like there's like videos of them playing it in the house and they sounded great oh, yeah. even like back in the 90s and like they're they're fun to see live i saw them 2013 and 2014 oh, wow and it's a good time and i think the city is the best song to air synth to to <laughs> you know that that's what when i air synth because I can't play piano right. or synth. <laughs> no, it, it is a good one. In yeah. my head. When, yeah. I, when I first heard that song, like kind of the only other synth bands I was listening to at the time was like maybe like Motion City Soundtrack and like stuff like that. And like when I first heard that, I was like, oh, this sounds like Motion City. Let me let me listen to the album. And I was like, this don't sound like Motion City anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, no, that's true. It's kind of the city's kind of poppy. Uh, 
it's like yes it, the one of the more listen the whole album's listenable but that one in particular is just very like very fun and straightforward for love that song and that's what we were talking i, I referenced that earlier of it just kind of being I, how in what context did i reference it i don't know so that that band is just a big influence on us and i think i had said something about it earlier See why you left There's no one to know There's nothing to do The city's been dead Since you've been gone Alright, moving on to Chris with Ghost Ride by Crumb off of their awesome 2019 album Jinx. Love this track super slick and smooth they kind of have this cool sound that i describe as like soulful psych sort of they kind of got soul to them but it's also psych psyche yeah keep holding up that album this was chris's christmas gift to me two christmases ago Sick. Chris, you're a good friend, man. Right. Yeah, good gift. Really you're is. a good fucking friend. Thanks, dude. I, I really that appreciate that. That album was that. like <laughs> so exciting when it came out. Sorry, go on, Chris. Yeah, I um I found out about them from just like random stuff on Spotify and I was like, oh, this is cool. Um back when the oh, EP yeah. was out. And I uh just kept listening and I was like, this is just really good. Um so I saw them. A few times, the first time I saw him was at, like, Philomoka, which was, like, this, like, community center, like, venue thing. And then um, then I saw them at uh, First Unitarian, which I went, I went to with Keith, and that was awesome. And then after that, um, I saw them at the First Unitarian, and it was just every single time, like, great live performance. I love the vibes that they're they're doing. Um, if I had to relate that, like I kind of wanted to convey some of that with Goings, like like in like I had an idea and I was like, if I had to compare it to Goings and every and any way during this record, I would probably say like the second half of Nothing Without You, where it goes into that like, just I don't know. It sounds like sort of like a Law and Order like part where like the guitars like. And then, like, you hear, like, the heavy synth, like, I just yeah. love, I love all that stuff. It has that soul that Tom was talking about. Yeah, totally. I could hear that. I felt like in the second half of that song and later parts of the record, yeah. for sure. But it's all good stuff. I love pretty much all their songs. Um, instant fan. Really good stuff. Instant fan forever yes. fan as well. <laughs> And then your second choice, Place Names by Symbols Eat Guitars off of their 2014 album, Lose. I think this is my favorite record by them, and I was such a huge fan of theirs during their 10-year run, because now they're officially broken up. And I was at their last show, actually, which was December 30th, like two years ago, at Bowery Ballroom. And they announced like a year later that they broke up and I guess it was inadvertently their last show. They didn't really realize it. Yeah. Um, I actually just discovered them from a random like 
KEXP session, and I was like, wow, this is really awesome. Um, when I saw it on your list, I was just like really stoked because um, I love the album cover and I love the name so much, Symbols Eat Guitars. I think it's just so cool. And I think that was just like my favorite track. Um, like watching that on like the session, I was like, this is just really good. I want more people to hear this. Like he, the really front man, stuff. Joe D'Agostino just released his first solo record this year called Empty Country. And it's very, very good. It has a lot of what you would hear on a Symbols E-Guitars record, but also different stuff as well. And I love his singing voice. He sings with a lot of passion, for sure. And Symbols yeah. E-Guitars is apparently taken from Lou Reed describing what the Velvet <laughs> Underground sounds like to someone or something. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's where That's the name funny. comes from, yeah. And this record was produced by awesome. uh, John Agnello, who is the man and lived in Jersey City for a while where I lived. And he's produced like Kurt Vile, a lot of great stuff. So it's another cool fact about that record. And yeah, place names, yeah. coming to the end of the show and we decided that we're going to play the last track on the record algorithm parenthetical open Aiden's <laughs> Odyssey close parenthetical how the parenthetical come into the song is, title this- always interesting to hear the explanation right. I wanted the song to be called Aiden's Odyssey so bad because because it's a very like epic song like like I was saying you know there's like the it's like a couple movements and it comes back around again like and it was just so epic and it was like you know a song primarily written by Aiden like lyrically and all that and I like I wanted to be called that so much but like all the other guys were like no like it needs to be called Al- algorithm because that's you know kind of more the point of the song the the last track on mac demarco's salad days is called johnny's odyssey and it's just this little instrumental thing and i just thought aiden's odyssey sounds so much better than johnny's odyssey and we needed to steal it and we we needed to steal it and the best i got was just (laughs) having in parentheses i'll take it sick that's a great band compromise i was (laughs) yeah right i i'd say i i aiden was the most against the aiden's honesty it's true um i think it's cool i i think i it's just it's nice it's cool to have a name drop yeah (laughs) like it's like it's like it's sort of like in that fallout boy song when like patrick stump says me and pete in it like you know they're mentioned in the band right members you know breaking breaking the fourth wall maybe no i don't (laughs) pete Patrick Stump, right? Yeah. Stump? Stump? Stump is his Patrick last Stump. name, right? I, I, am I? Am I? Somebody fact check that. Give it a give it a goog. Somebody give it a goog. Yeah, hold on. I think I'm it's, I think it's Stump. But now listening back too. to it, it's a know. weird name. Yeah. No, it's Patrick Stump. See? That's him. <laughs> Me and... He's got a fedora. He's got a fedora on in his first Google hey, picture. Hey man, it was it was the mid two thousands. That was 
Yeah, man, I was all about that. I think you guys are a little younger than me, but I was all about that as a high schooler in the mid 2000s, early. 2000s. Yeah, I, I just, I just loved ska. And oh, still, me too. And still do, but, I, yeah. but I'm kind of more of like a, like a closeted ska fan now because I feel like it's kind of like a butt of a lot of jokes. But I don't care. I love the English beat, and I can like it. Well. Just like any genre of music, there's people that do it really well. And the English beat are at the top of that list, oh, I'd say. They're that, a great that, band. That first record, and then I, I wasn't a huge fan of their stuff. Like, they have three records, right? Yeah. Like, that first one and that third one were really good. Like, the like the third one's like the one where like they're looking all cool coming off coming off the plane, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they were so, they were so cool looking. Save it for the Ska podcast. Ah, the Ska cast. Yeah, I should have known. The Ska cast. The Ska cast. <laughs> the Ska cast. All right, fun. All right. So, <laughs> your new and record. Your it's for you by Goings. It's out now, everyone. <laughs> you can get it on vinyl via No Hope Records. There are two awesome vinyl variants. You could also. Check it out on Bandcamp at goingsband.bandcamp.com. Of course, also available on all streaming platforms. Hey, Goings, thank you so much. Thank you. For being thank right you so with much. me today on the Look at My Records podcast. Keith, Aiden, and Chris, and everyone, of course, we're going to close it with Algorithm. Open parentheses, <laughs> Aiden's Odysseys, close parentheses. I love you, folks. <laughs>